Now, <laughs> we're in Luke, 14th chapter, beginning at verse 1 is our scripture reading through verse 24. Hear the word of the Lord. One Sabbath, when he went to dine at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees, they were watching him carefully. And behold, there was a man before him who had dropsy. And Jesus responded to the lawyers and Pharisees, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. Then he took him and healed him and sent him away. And he said to them, Which of you, having a son or an ox that has fallen into a well on a Sabbath day will not immediately pull him out? And they could not reply to these things. Now, he told a parable to those who were invited. When he noticed how they chose the places of honor, saying to them, When you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, Give your place to this person. And then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited... Go and sit in the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, Friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. He said also to the man who had invited him. When you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. When one of those who reclined at table with him heard these things, he said, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to him, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the same, and at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. 
So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the street and lanes in the city and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you command has been done and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, go out to the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God abides forever. Amen. Let's ask his blessing. Father, now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our heart together be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. And we pray in our redeemer's name. Amen. In our passage today, you notice the title is The Dinner Party. We find Jesus on the Sabbath. Well, nothing new about that. Very common, very regular practice by our Lord. But on this particular Sabbath, Jesus received an invitation to come to a dinner party. At the home of one of the rulers of the Pharisees. This is the top of the heap in that area. This party included all the important people of religious society in that area. But notice, if you look carefully, it's not a friendly dinner party, is it? They, the text says, meaning the Pharisees, the religious leaders, the power brokers of all things religious, they were watching Jesus very careful, carefully in hopes, in hopes of entrapping him, tripping him up. By the way, maybe we could say it this way. They were hoping to have Jesus for lunch, for dinner. Now, in our text, Luke brings together a block, four actually different small stories. A number of those referred to as parables. In verse 1 all the way through verse 24, there's a block. And they don't all seem to have connection, but there is connection. Hopefully, as you'll see at the end. Now, today's outline goes like this. The pious, the proud, the prosperous, and the presuming. Those who presume on things going as they anticipate. So, 
Let's look at the pious. That's in verses 2 through 6 of our scripture reading that we've already read. Strategically, the Pharisees, while inviting the rabbi to come, they had strategically placed in front of Jesus a man who was obviously afflicted with an illness. A serious illness, it could be, called dropsy. Now, you and I probably don't know that term or know what that is. Today, we call that edema. It's a very serious swelling and ultimately can result in death. Because the system just keeps blowing up in fluid. The trap was ready to be sprung by this invite with this man front and center. And there he is facing Jesus. But Jesus wasn't biting. (laughs) He wasn't taking the bait. As he often did, Jesus turned the trap of the Pharisees by asking them. He didn't answer their question. He asked them this question. Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Now, this isn't the first rodeo. Jesus has run into this crowd and this question many times, and they know it. And Jesus has already bested them a number of times on this question. So he puts it to them again. Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? And you know what? Nothing but crickets. Again. You see, if they said it was lawful they would be violated their own man-made rules. They weren't the rules of Moses. This wasn't the law of God, not Scripture. This was their rules, and they'd be violating their own rules. And if they said it was unlawful, they would be showing callous indifference to this poor, sick man. All they could do was sit there speechless. Now, Jesus then, what, touched and healed the man right on the spot and sent him home to his family. Then he turned to his accusers and he asked them a question. Would they rescue their own son or even just one of their own oxen? If it fell into a well on the Sabbath day. If it was their son, would they say, oh, oh, son, sorry. Um, Hey, don't worry. In a few more hours, the sun will uh, turn over and, you know, we'll be past the Sabbath day. So just hang on. Of course not. Of course they would come to the aid of their son or even their oxen. You guessed it, more crickets. 
More crickets again. You see, religious hypocrisy is stubborn to the bone. Religious hypocrisy is stubborn to the bone. Secondly, the proud. That's in verses 7 through 11. Having left the religious leaders literally speechless, (laughs) they they couldn't say anything on either case, whether they were asking the question or whether Jesus was. Jesus noted something interesting about the behavior of the dinner guests. All these folks that got invited to come along with Jesus, all these other Pharisees, interestingly, Jesus noticed that there was something going on, some kind of shuffling back and forth, and it seemed to be people trying to get at a certain position or a certain point. You see, the Pharisees were jockeying for position. There was a pecking order. And they wanted, they knew there was a right hand and the left hand. That was usually established. But after that, they were all working hard to make sure they got higher up in the pecking order. They were jockeying for a position to get the best seats of the house in the house. In other words, another way to put it is they were wrestling for rank. They were trying to say, I'm more important. I have more tassels than you, and mine are longer, and whatever. I need to be here. So our Lord decided it was time for another story. A parable with a point, we might say. Now Luke calls this discourse, what he's about to say, the second one, the proud. He says, he calls this discourse a parable. That's what Luke calls it. But it's really more like a proverb, a famous, often used saying. Listen to Proverbs, listen to Solomon, as it were, Proverbs 25, 6, and 7. Do not put yourself forward in the king's presence. Or stand in the place of the great. For it is better to be told, come up here, than to be put lower in the presence of a noble. Now, Jesus could have been referring exactly to that proverb. He certainly knew it. This may have been the base for that. We don't, we're not told that. But clearly, that's the point. Jesus is telling them a story about pride-seeking prominence. Pride, rearing its ugly head and seeking prominence. Notice, again, verse 11. For everyone who exalts himself, Jesus said, will be humbled... And he who humbles himself will be exalted. At some point in time, the water will find its level. Those that are up will go down. And those that are haughty, those that are elevated, and those 
that will be put down. The way to be exalted is to seek humility. This is the way of the gospel and the way of the kingdom. And those who seek humility find that God exalts them. Now, when he does that, how he does that, that's his business. But he says, you will be exalted. In the kingdom, bowing low puts the humble on the track to the top. And you know who ultimately demonstrated and showed that? It was our Lord himself. Philippians 2, 5 through 11. You know this well, but listen, listen again. Hear the wonderful words. How this is put in practice by our Lord, the, our example. Philippians 2, 5 through 11. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who... Though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, here's the exaltation. Therefore, because he humbled himself, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that a name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. The exaltation of our Savior. The way up is down. The way down is up. Now, Thirdly, the prosperous. The prosperous. We've looked at the pious, the proud, now the prosperous. That's verses 12 through 14. Shorter section. Jesus, though, isn't finished with the Pharisees. But he has some advice for the founder of their feast. By the way, that should reflect something from Dickens. Some of you will catch it. Some of you won't. (laughs) The host of the dinner party. The host of the dinner party. The founder of the feast. He now is in Jesus' eyes. Jesus has his eyes on him. And ask him a question. You see, the pride of the guest has already been exposed. But Jesus now focuses on. On this wealthy sponsor of this event. Jesus tells him that instead of again bringing in his cronies. All the usual suspects. Instead of doing that. Why didn't he consider doing something really extraordinary? Go out. And find the poor and the lame and the blind and bring them to the feast. You see, no doubt, what do you have? More crickets. (laughs) They don't say a word. The The host knows he can't do that in his protocol. 
You see, they didn't care about getting a reward at the resurrection of the righteous. Did you notice that? Jesus said, do this and you'll get a reward at the resurrection of the righteous. They don't care about what's out there somewhere. All they care about is getting theirs now. They're not interested in the distant future. They want prominence now. They want prosperity now. They preferred their heaven on earth now, not later. Fourthly, the presuming. That's in verses 15 through 24. And this really pulls it all together. All this is connected. Jesus has a very, very comprehensive grasp of what is going on and what we need to understand. Verses 15 through 24. One of those guys that are the guests of this wealthy ruler of the Pharisees, one of those guys is a little less clueless than most of the others. Because somehow he must have woke up and heard Jesus saying something about things to come in the future. And automatically he says, oh yeah, that's going to be cool. I'm excited about that. So this is what he said in verse 15. Blessed is everyone who will eat in the kingdom of God. It's, it's, it's almost, it sounds like a toast, doesn't it? Blessed is, who do you think he's thinking about is going to be doing that? Himself. He's presuming he's going to be there when the time comes. You see, he seemed to be saying, I'm going there. How about you? But I'm certain I'm going to be there. Isn't that interesting? There are many people that think they're going there and they're not. And there are going to be a lot of people that are going there, but you don't think they are. But this guy, he wanted a piece of the action. He was sure. He presumed his expectations were presumptive. Now, once again, Jesus tells us Another parable. Here we go again. Another one. And this one's about a great feast. Other one's about a wedding feast. This is a great feast. An amazing event. Jesus says someone with the means to do so. It would take a lot to do a feast like this is being described. But he says that someone with the means to do so invites everyone in the village to his banquet with his sumptuous board and all the trimmings and all the stuff that goes with such a feast. Now, in Near Eastern culture, those who responded to the first invitation would be given an ancient RSVP. 
and would be notified days or maybe even weeks later when the meal was actually ready to be shared. Now, astonishingly, all those that were invited came with convenient excuses. They didn't, they couldn't make it. Invite after invite, I can't make it. How about a rain check? And one after another, after another, after another, just nobody could make it. Nobody was accepting the invite. It's kind of like excuses. (laughs) Some of us remember our dating days. And when we tried to call up a girl to go out for a date, sometimes you'd get torched, (laughs) flamed out. We had a lot of expressions for that. But sometimes guys would get together and talk about uh, how they uh, uh, got shot down. And um, I remember one particular one that was a, a favorite of mine was that I saw some guys. And I, it was more like uh, an ex- the excuse was along these lines. Instead of telling the guy, look, no, nah, <laughs> you and me, no, this isn't going to happen. Instead of that, you know, ladies trying to, Put, let them down easy. Um, this, in this particular one, it's like the excuse telling the guy, well, I would love to go out with you, but I'm mowing my grandmother's yard on Friday. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, excuse. A pathetic excuse, and that's what this guy is giving. All of these guys, all of these folks are giving such lame, lame excuses. And when the servant reports back and tells the master and shows him the list of these insulting excuses, the master is absolutely apoplectic. He is enraged. He can't believe it. He then invites the poor and the lame to this extravagant feast. But even, even after they have gathered, the servants report. He said, look, okay, go get some others. And they come back and they say, well, we brought them all. But there's still room for more. The ones you said to get, the ones that weren't on the list originally, you said go get get them from that. Get the poor, get the lame. Get those folks that are not normally subjects for this kind of banquet. But when they, nobody's still coming. There's still room. The banquet is nowhere near filled. So what does the land owner, what does he do? 
see, finally, he says, I don't care where you get them. Go out and get them here. I don't care if you have to go to the Gentiles. That's really what Jesus is implying. He's gone from the cream of the crop down to the poor and the lame. Now he's even going to the dirty Gentiles saying, come to my banquet. I'm inviting you. Come if you will. Now what's the point of the parable? Of the story that Jesus is telling here? Listen to Robert Stein. He says the picture and reality parts of the parable flow as follows. Here's, here's, how, it, here's how it goes. A great banquet was given. The man, and that's the messianic banquet of God's kingdom had now come. That's what Jesus had been saying. The invited guests refused to come. That's the Pharisees and their ilk and the religious elite and the Israel rejected the Messiah and his teachings. The outcasts of society were brought in as guests of the banquet. This is the outcast, the nobodies. The least in Israel entered God's kingdom instead of the religious elite. It's been reversed. It's been flipped. An even more distant outcast was brought in as guests. The Gentiles enter God's kingdom instead of Israel. That's what's happening. That's what this story is about. And all of these stories in this section are all pointing to this. You see, the Pharisees didn't have a clue that the great reversal had already taken place. This is not something off in the future It'll have future dimensions, but that's not what... It's already happened. They have already been found wanting. They have already failed the test. And Jesus is saying, you don't even recognize it. The tables have been turned. The great reversal has come. And it's going to be these dirty dogs like the Gentiles that are going to be feasting where you were supposed to be. Listen again to verse 24. Jesus said, I tell you, for I tell you, none of those men who were inviting shall taste my banquet. Send religious leaders, the high and the haughty and the proud, You won't get one crumb from the banquet of the king of glory. You, Israel was rejected and they ignored, Jesus called it the day of their visitation. And here's the real point. 
they rejected his invitation. See, that's the point. They arrogantly rejected his invitation to come, you blessed of my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you before the foundation of the world. That's what they missed. You see, my friends, then, this group, in this parable, what we're talking about today, whether then or now, right now, today, here in this place, anywhere else around the world, when the invitation of the gospel goes out, it will either be received and believed or it will be rejected. You must receive. Then or now, you must receive his invitation if you ever hope to come to his banquet that will last from eternity all through time and eternity. Remember, Jesus didn't come to improve table manners. He came to turn the world on its head to make things right side up. Associating with the outcast, touching the untouchables, calling the nobodies to have dinner with God. What an invitation. If you've received the invitation, he says, come, because everything is ready. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you that for those of us who are in Christ, who have received your invitation to believe and put our faith and trust in your Son and your Son alone, Lord, thank you for the invitation and for the promise that one day we will come because everything has been made ready by our Lord Jesus. He's preparing that place for us. Lord, we thank you for such mercy to sinners like us. Father, will you help us go out into the byways and compel those who do not know you yet to come. O Holy Spirit, send forth your revival. Shine, Jesus, shine. We pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Let's stand together for our hymn.